Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. The baseball season is winding down, but we're about to have the two biggest months of the regular season. So you're definitely going to be wanting tickets. If your team's in, con in, in contention, you might be making a decision kind of at the last minute. You know what? It's Tuesday night. Let's go ahead and go. You jump on SeatGeek. And you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices, even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying, as opposed to buying them in, in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's 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 kind of how I know. I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full pr ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. August 8th. I'm your host, Paul Sport, joined once again by Paul Costava. Paul, how's it going? Man, yesterday, I got to tell you, Paul, I had one of those monster-like fantasy moments what where happened? my hitter beat a pitcher I was playing oh. and really flipped the script for me. No, that's... That is the ultimate. We talk. We always talk about the ones that are bad for you, like your good play, your good fantasy players going up against your favorite team, your pitcher versus your hitter. Those ones get mentioned a lot. We never talk about the ultimate as much. Your guy thwarts your competitor's guy. What was the scenario? So I was down, and it's it's a close one. It's a fourteen team. You play three teams a week, points league. Okay. I'm facing – I'm down to this guy who were right on the cusp of playoff matchups, right? And I beat this guy. He had Jimmy Nelson going for a, a quality start against my Jake Lamb, and he's up like two points on me. Oh, my God. Ray Lamb. You can't mess with Ray Lamb. By the way, sneaky thing that I want to mention. you got to be careful with Arizona. I know they're a bottom-feeding team. I don't know that's a place I really ever want to spot start or, or a team. I don't know if it was in Arizona, but certainly not a place. But I don't even think it's a team I really want to mess with spot start wise. So I think he was taking a gamble there. And uh, what did Rake do to make him pay? Oh, Rake hit a bomb. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, it's our language for um, that's a home run. Yeah, we call it home runs. The, the reason behind it is the literally the dumbest thing ever. Uh, but if you hear us saying bombs, it's, it's instead of bombs, basically. Uh, yeah. So he goes, he goes, boom, 24th of the year. I mean, has a monster day, though, too. Three for five, two runs scored, two ribbies, 
with the bomb. Nelson comes nowhere near a quality start. Doesn't even get the requisite six innings. Only goes four and a third, seven runs, six of them earned. So he gets he gets pummeled. Not only does he not get that quality start, your guys do it, and he ends up getting pummeled. And did you win that matchup then? I won that matchup. I won my other two games that week. He lost all three that week. So now I'm in the last spot. But, Paul, it's a head-to-head playoff. Anything happens in those type of points leagues. I'm telling you what, I, I've come around a bit on head-to-head, and I mentioned this probably earlier this year and maybe a little bit last year. You know, the head-to-head aspect of things, the volatility of it can bother me. That's why I do play fantasy football, in fact, with you in most of my leagues. But it has to be a live league where I have friends because that's the aspect I really care about. I don't think it's necessarily a, a super beatable game in terms of skill. And so I just I don't want the hassle. I understand that there's still a lot of luck that goes into fantasy baseball, but the schedule really mitigates a lot of it. And so does Roto, which is why I like it. But these head-to-head leagues, they really are super exciting. And and if you are fortunate enough to have some Sundays that you can just kind of relax watching MLB Network or flipping game to game while your your game hangs in the balance, that's some of the most fun baseball watching that you can get in the middle of July and August when it is the dog days otherwise. And, and like you said, you can't do all head-to-head. Just one or two is a nice balance with your road because the roto ones are more – they look, the long season ones are more legitimate. They're more, I think, you could. You're Leg- thinking- legitimate, we should say this, because head-to-head leagues are not illegitimate. You're not playing a lesser brand. The brand that you're playing offers more volatility, but for many, that's where a lot more fun comes, and I'm okay with that. You know, obviously we can't predict the future on anything, so it's not like just the people with the best numbers or the best projections are going to win anyway because so many crazy things happen. So it's not like there's not volatility and craziness in Roto. I just think that in the longer sample of the full season, it's there's a, a couple percentage points more skill. There's more For the balance between skill versus luck, I don't even know what it would be, but let's just start from this. If it's 50-50 and head-to-head, then it's, I don't know, 65-35 in, uh, in Roto. I don't, maybe that's too high. And a lot of you head-to-head folks are going to kill us. But we're also, we're also trying to say we like it. I, I'm, I'm in on head-to-head now. Yeah, no, I, and legitimate's the, not the right word. Maybe it's statistical reliability. Uh, yeah, I, I, knew what you, I knew what you were trying to get at, but I don't want to sound like we're denigrating anybody's league. In fact, I've gotten off all league shaming if you've only got seven other friends and you guys got an eight team league have fun at it enjoy it crush it win it because i used to be like oh eight team league that's the stupidest thing ever as long as people are playing fantasy sports um i'm in you know know and this 14 team league i'm in like I, i inherited a team and I thought, like, I'd come in and I'd dominate these guys because they're this is like their home league. This is their only league. Paul got arrogant. It, it was very arrogant. And I'm coming <laughs> in and they're really they're, – they're doing really well because they're a very different mindset than me. They're very short-term thinkers, so they're very aggressive on the wire, very aggressive with trades. And we've talked about this. This is actually an area where your deep – dive and, and love of baseball and, and kind of getting into the ins and outs and focusing on statistically uh, stable samples and things can hurt you because you get married to players because you want to be right because you're you're an analyst as well and you, you are reluctant to give up on guys because their sample size just isn't there and yeah the the 
churn and burn sort of aspect, you're going to give up some good guys. You'll go look back and say, remember when I cut Jake Lamb in April? That was a mistake. But I got five other guys who hit, and it didn't really matter. And so it is a situation where you and I are not good at that. And so maybe that's why we've had our bias against head-to-head, because we're not very good at it. No, we're, yeah, we're definitely patient, and that's why I think we struggle in football in some regards. Yep. Because we're very patient. And, and there's, gotta, fantasy football is not for patience. No, not at all, not at all. So, But it's fun, man, and it was really nice having that win. I'm back in it, and we'll see if come in a few months if I'm talking to you again about it saying, hey, I just pulled an unbelievable comeback as the eighth seed or something. That like would that. be great, yeah, because we do talk about the league a lot, so um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll mix it in on the show. I definitely enjoy doing that. I know some We get mixed reviews on that. Some folks say it's awesome to hear kind of your thought process and the way you, you go with your individual leagues. Other people are like, we don't want to hear about your individual leagues. Here, talk about my individual league. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, so we've got some news to cover, and then we're going to talk a lot about uh, shortstops. We just kind of the topics we were throwing at each other ended up being a lot of shortstop-centric. I figured, you know what, why not just kind of make that the crux of the show? But let's talk about some news first. This one kind of surprised me and bummed me out because he just came off the DL a little bit ago. Taiwan Walker gets demoted by Seattle. Now, you know, that, that says that they mean business here because they're in the midst of it. Now, I'm hoping that they, they take three, uh, three on the chin here as my Tigers go out to visit. But at the same time, I understand that this is not a pushover team. And they option him after one start. He was terrible in it, but I figure that's a rust start and he'll be all right. No, they, they're going to go with uh, Ariel Miranda in the rotation. And this allows them to get the, the recently acquired Archimedes Caminero onto the roster, as it says here on, uh, on Roto World. So what do you think of Taiwan Walker getting sent down? Talk about the immediate move here, your thoughts on it, and then we'll dive into kind of how we see the future because he's still super young. This ties into kind of that thing we were talking about earlier, that long-term approach. Mm-hmm. Long-term, I'm looking at Taiwan Walker. I still want him. I like the K numbers are kind of where they were, you know, his career. The walk numbers are similar to what we look for. Um, but short term, that was that was a really brutal start yesterday. It was awful, and you know the Angels are are not world beaters. They have a couple world beaters in their lineup. If you let Trout and uh, Pujols beat you, you're gonna have trouble. But by and large, that's not a lineup that you are terrified of. I just thought it might be a rust start because he did look so bad. They might say, yeah, there's still more rust though, and you can go you can go knock that off uh, in Tacoma instead. And I think he's he's now entering that territory that if you're in a 12 team league, you you can you could feel free to kind of stream him and use him on the wire. I don't see an upside that you're going to miss out on this monstrous you know comeback right away. Well, especially now because he has to go down and spend I think at least 10 days. So you, you know if, if the scheduling doesn't work out perfectly, it could could be upwards of two weeks, and we're running out of time. So. Now that he's not in the DL, you have to consider cutting Taiwan Walker. I agree with you. I think 10 and 12 team, you go ahead and stream him. I figure since you said 12, that obviously means 10 is uh, – or no. Yeah, yeah, that would mean 10 as well. So anything below the 12, we're saying at least 12 you got to consider. 15 team, I'm still trying to find a way to hang on to him because – Unless there's something great out there, you know, Bundy went off the wire this week. I'm trying to think anybody else that's recently come up pitching wise. Maybe if somebody emerges, but in a 15 team, I think I'm finding a way to keep Taiwan Walker um, just in case he comes up for one last spark in the middle of this month or early next. What about so long term? You say you still like Taiwan Walker. Are you going out and trying to maybe buy low on him in dynasty leagues? Dynasty leagues, yeah. I think the skills are still there. 
Um, I like him in his dining, but he might be one of those guys that just continues to be maddening his whole career. That's true. Or he could take another couple years. The thing of it is, he could be okay next year. Like, uh, I don't know, have flashes of really good work, but then Taiwan Walker ends up with like a 360 ERA and a and a one and a 117 whip with with eight strikeouts per nine, which is a Perfectly solid season, but it certainly wouldn't be that breakout. And then maybe coming through the next year, he'd still only be 25. I think the point I need to hammer home here is that we're still dealing with a 23-year-old who has 312 major league innings under his belt of about average work. I mean, he has a 414 ERA, which is good for a 93 ERA plus. So that's a little bit below average. But I like the uh, I like the skills behind it. Decent whip. Home runs have become a problem though. The last two years, Paul. 1.3 and, and then a 1.9 this year homer per nine rate for Taiwan Walker. I think that that's something that he's going to have to fix if he's really going to take that next level into a frontline starter. Just and I'm going off, you know, I'm going to look it up right now. I just this is a gut thing I'm going with right now. Does he not have a remind you right now, similarly to Julio Julio Tehran? Yeah, I, I can totally see that from a, a trajectory path. The way they came up as elite prospects, he did find some early success right away. Did uh, did Taiwan Walker as did Tehran, scaled back and then had you know has now re- you know reborn here. I guess you could say from Tehran. I didn't think his season was that as bad last year as many thought, but it was definitely a down year from a fantasy aspect. 404 ERA, 131 WHIP. Then he comes back around this year. So if that's the kind of pattern or path that Taiwan Walker's on doesn't necessarily mean that he'll follow it to a T, but one of these guys that shows the glimmers early fades back a little bit and then charges forward. Guess what uh, age Tehran is right now? 25 years old. So it could be another year or two with Taiwan Walker. Paul, I, as much as I like him, I don't know. I mean, I guess if I could go out and get him low in a dynasty league, I would. I don't play many dynasty leagues, so the whole keeping your whole team thing. In other keeper leagues, though, where you just keep a handful, like maybe even five to ten, anywhere in that range, I don't know if even in a ten uh, keeper, twelve team league, is he a top one hundred and twenty asset right now, Taiwan Walker? No, and I think, and and if you do get burned, like say you don't keep him, and then he does beast out and next year or something like that, you can't get mad at yourself. You just take that one. Yeah, because these these assets, these pitching assets, we get so caught up on them early, and it just takes a while. It just takes a couple years. It's rare that a guy comes up and kills it and never falls off from that. That's when Those are the special ones. You know, Jose Fernandez has never really been bad. The only thing that could really stop him was Tommy John's surgery. He's, he's special. Felix Hernandez was pretty much a super elite amazing until actually no he actually had a i think his second year was a pushback so he came showed it instantly fell back a little bit and then took off um you know aaron sanchez had two years like between the bullpen and the rotation where it's like what good is this guy and the way you'd hear aaron sanchez talked about this year you would have thought he was 29 and or 28 and had failed out a whole bunch it was he was 22 years old with 125 major league innings and being sloughed off and eh, it's just not gonna work and look, and look what happened, you know, and he made changes to do it. That their changes have to come. I think with Tehran, he's got almost um, a little Michael Pineda-esque to him where when he, when he goes awry, it's command in the zone where he just leaves fat pitches. It was like just that, that was a bad pitch. How did you miss your spot? 
that much. Guys miss spots all the time. Um, but when certain misses, when it's supposed to be inside and it winds up middle of the plate, you're dead. And these home runs have really taken their toll on him. He needs to find the balance, Taiwan Walker does, between the walks and and the command, Paul, because he had 4.3 walks per nine in 2014, but only 0.5 homers. And then since then, he's had 2.0 walks, but 1.6 homers. So I think that that's the balance that Taiwan Walker needs to find. Seattle needs to trade him to the Yankees for a catching prospect. That could be a great idea. That usually works for them when they do that. That's usually their best move, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, anytime that they – well, you know what else? If they could figure out – maybe they could go the other way and trade him to Baltimore for all of Baltimore's system, Eric Eric Bedard style. So they they could go one of two ways. They could could, you know get a piece of crap prospect or remake the the entire team. And and do the Bizarro, yeah, because you know now they give away the pitcher and they get the whole. Yeah, yeah, they they got a. Oh yeah, that's right. They made the they made the move. I'm I'm a dummy. I had it flipped. Yeah, yeah. Either one would ruin their team, so they can either trade it to New York or Baltimore and ruin the team. And you know, and and on a real baseball standpoint, this Walker thing is big because Seattle now is back in it again. They're uh, they're in second place. They're a half game right now ahead of the Astros. Everyone's talking about how great the Astros have been playing, and they have. But Seattle quietly, quietly, quietly just clicking up there, clicking up. And like I said, a half game up on the Mariners. They're out of the wild card right now. The wild cards are Toronto and my beloved Tigers. We'll see how long that lasts. Uh, But the Mariners are just, let's see, four and a half out then. Or three and a half out and playing the Tigers. So they're playing one of their chief rivals here for this wild card. Paul, what do they need to succeed, though, in terms of like a couple key factors? Obviously, they're not going to go out and make moves in, in August. They're not going to be able to make too many big moves. What do they need to turn around or to uh, keep going for them to get this wild card in Seattle? I, I like their lineup, so I'm going to trust in their lineup. I think the process is going well. And Zanino coming back, he looked really He's strong. He's really come around, man. And this is uh, – we have not been friendly to him on this podcast. Jason and I have obliterated him, and we will have to address that, he and I will, uh, on an episode because you know it's only 53 plate appearances, so I'm not ready to just say I was wrong necessarily because we had 1,055 plate appearances of utter trash. But we will address the fact that Mike Zunina – Zanino is a quality player. So it all comes down to pitching for you. Yeah, and, and, and the key I'm looking at, and I'm speaking from my perspective of writing about the report, the bullpen report, um, they need to get Nick Vincent back. And I think he's on a rehab assignment because Edwin Diaz right now, and he's kind of like exploded on the internet also. Oh, yeah. As becoming like the darling closer. And I really, you know, and he's been talked about in the bullpen report. Our commenters have been all over him. He's absurd. Um, but now there's their seventh and eighth roles. You know what they are? I, are you familiar with who their seventh and eighth pitchers are right now? Um, it's, it's Charlie. Gary. It's just, well, then it's not Charlie Furbush. Is, is he even healthy? Is it? Um, I don't know. Well, they don't have Mike Montgomery anymore. They don't have Steve Ciszek. Who the hell is? It? Oh, Drew Storen. Sweet, sweet Drew Storen. Drew Storen and Tom Wilhelmson. They got Wilhelmson back. They got him back. He he just got he got a, he hawked a save the other night because Diaz needed a rest. I was gonna say they'd been using Diaz every night, and you got to be careful of that too. I know he's twenty two, former starter, but you don't want to go crazy. No, and he's the guy, and it looks like he's next in line for those nights when 
you know, Diaz needs a rest, which makes sense. Round balls, but we talked about this last week. That's just scary in those situations, you, man. You don't want a ton, and that, that's the thing that's been getting him the contact on the rise against Drew Storen, and that's why he's been so ineffective uh, pretty much all year. And I don't know what's going on with him, but if he got it, that, that could be huge for them too, though, Paul. If it somehow clicked back for him, and we've seen that with relievers, it's not out of bounds to think that it could just click, you know, overnight. One thing changes, and Drew Storen kind of gets back just to what he was last year. Like you don't even have to, um, you know, find some five year ago level. Last year he was great, 279 FIP because of 11 strikeouts and 2.6. Uh, walks so Storen and Vincent came together then all of a sudden you got a three-headed monster don't love their lefties with like uh, Vidal Nuno and um, I think that's it because this Ariel Miranda starting and so is Wade LeBlanc so you've only got the one lefty but uh, you know here's the thing maybe just give Edwin Diaz three days off right now no reason in particular that you would just give him this series off but just give him three days off no big deal if he doesn't face the Tigers and then bring him back uh, after that. You know, I, I, it's just an idea, Paul. I don't even know where I came up with it. It's just a off the cuff kind of idea. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're going to do that for you, and they're going to say, you know, oh no, what? no, nothing for me for Edwin, for Edwin. I think you do that when you get Vincent back. Maybe you give him a break. Yeah, you can give him more of a break. Obviously, I was 100% kidding. They're definitely not going to be able to. He'll probably make an appearance in two of these three games here. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on there from Seattle and talk uh, about Junior Guerra hit, hitting the DL. And th th this is less about him going on the DL and more just to kind of give him some love for the season that he's had. It, it is an elbow injury, so right elbow inflammation. It's not terribly surprising that, that he runs into something. Hopefully this is just a, a needed break sort of deal because he's a 31-year-old who was kind of being a journeyman in the minors even, not even in the majors. And, and finally found a role here and really exploded in innings. Uh, he only threw he only threw 87 last year, and already this year he's got 130. So maybe it's just a situation where he just needed to calm it down a little bit and, and, and get a break, and then he'll be able to kind of finish out the season. Uh, but what, what do you think about Junior Guerra going forward? He is 31, but he's a young pitcher in terms of um, mileage. He's young in mileage. You know, he's not a guy that I'm like, I'm nuts about because, you know, we really appreciate those low walk, high K guys. Um, he's definitely outperforming his FIP. So he's someone I'm, I'm always, I've been tentative with, but the results have absolutely been there. What, um, what stands out with, with him with you? It's his splitter. His splitter is utterly nasty, and uh, he's not afraid to just lean on it, bury it down in the zone regularly. Righties and lefties uh, have to contend with Junior Guerra's splitter, and they really can't. So he can spike those Ks a lot, but even when he's getting contact, it's generally topped, weak contact. So he doesn't really have a huge platoon split. Uh, he can actually amp it up to mid-90s at times, too. He averages 93.2 from the right side, which isn't too bad. Um, and has a 16% used slider. So he has three different pitches. Like He has the mix. He gets more ground balls than fly balls, though, though not an extensive sort of rate of 46% ground ball rate. But, um, you know, decent batted ball profile. Now, there are times that he can get hit hard. 
And I, if I'm going to knock on guys like uh, Robbie Ray for having a bad bad ball profile when it comes to soft, medium, hard, got to be consistent and talk about Guerra having a 34% hard contact rate, which is pretty high. I think Robbie Ray is up at 35%. Uh, Patrick Corbin, I think, quote-unquote, leads the league at 39%, which is just obscene. So, you know, he does have a little bit of that, but having a hard contact rate that's high doesn't necessarily preclude you from success. To wit, Danny Salazar is seventh on that list. Julio Tehran is 12th. Danny Duffy's 16th. So, you know, maybe they're in some danger, though. Maybe that's what that means. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know. Generally, you want low, less hard contact, right? That That's just kind of intuitive there. It's not an instant gauge for success. It is just one thing to kind of keep an eye on with Guerra. But I, I like him, Paul. I think, you know, he spikes the strikeouts every once in a while. He's only got seven and a half on the season. But he was showing some decent swing and miss capability, and he has been throughout the season. He's usually good for at least five in an outing, not five per nine, like five in an outing, which is pretty nice for DFS as well. But he's going to be sidelined for at least a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I'm looking, I'm kind of looking at his game log, and this is, yeah, you know, if you look at long season numbers, you're kind of like, you know, besides the ERA, you're, you're kind of stuck like, ah, this is a social picture. But his game log is, it's pretty solid. I mean, the, you know, he doesn't really, like, he doesn't really get blasted. He, he doesn't get blasted very often, and even then, He's still giving you some innings. You know, it's not like he has a lot of these two inning, yeah, these two inning six run starts. He's he's a safe bet. It seems like most of the time. He seems um, like he'll be a nice piece for the Brewers too, right? Because they expect they got rated by MLB the top uh, farm system in the league now after this trade deadline. Yankees number two, probably could flip flop those two either way you want. Um, so th- that could start turning over. It, their plan is probably in their head. They probably thinking closer to eighteen. But I would not be surprised if they started making some rumblings next year if some pieces come up, especially on the pitching side. But he could be a nice, you know, uh, I know he's not a, a long-term major league veteran, but he might almost be a valuable clubhouse asset in terms of having gone through so many struggles that he can help guys who might be struggling and say, listen, man, I've been there. It took me till 31 to really break out here. I don't know how much that, you know, that's not adding five war to value, but I'm saying in terms of getting him stabilized in a in a place i think he can stay with milwaukee for a while plus paul he's not a free agent until after 22 22 what if they what if uh, milwaukee has like a, a philadelphia phillies type season next year where they, they get out the gates be, nicely what's that where they get out of the gates nicely but it, it's fraudulent kind of but i think there's still upside with the phillies sure and then maybe they even look for a guy like him if he has another strong season to flip him like Philly was kind of looking to flip Ellison. Yeah, well, the thing of it is, they could pro- if, if it was another market like this year where pitching was, they, they might have actually been better off trying to flip him this year, though, because of that market. But I understand their inclination to keep him. Well, they're not necessarily like us, front offices, where uh, because of Madden uh, in, in those Sims, Sim seasons that we would do, we view anybody with a three in their age as the oldest person alive, especially you, you had a strict, no, nobody over 30 policy on your, uh, on your Madden teams. Well, once you turn 30, you were on the one year contract every, no matter year. what exactly with Paul. Gonna uh, retire if, if, if not, and fo- you retire. football is of course different than baseball, but I think some of that has seeped into baseball for like fantasy people. They, you know, they, they're fantasy baseball. I always say it is ageist as hell. And so this is a guy who, you know, if he comes back, throws another five, six starts of quality work, and ends with a sub three ERA, 
it won't matter because he will definitely go super late next year. And that's fine. I, I think he should, right? Because he is definitely a gamble. But I think Junior Guerra is a, a, a pretty good asset. Don't think I'm looking to keep him anywhere, though. So if you have him on some super contract and he looks like an enticing keeper in your league, let that be somebody else's problem. Do you agree with that, Paul? Yeah, because my next question for you was, what are you doing in 10, 12-team leagues? And I tend to agree with you on that. Um, I think, unless it's like an NL only and I have him for like a buck or two. Yeah, something like that where maybe I took a shot. I don't remember if he was slated to be in the opening day rotation. No, or not. no, no, he didn't come up until guy, May. Right? What's that? I think he was a pen guy to start. Well, he, he didn't know. He didn't come up until May. So he spent the first month in the minors. So you probably wouldn't have auctioned him in anything except a crazy league. Maybe if you're in a league where the fab that you put on them is what you pay and you only put a couple bucks. Otherwise, he's probably a $10 guy, Paul. Like even in our NL only league, because he was fabbed, he's a $10 guy. And I wouldn't, I don't think I even care to keep him in a NL only $10, $10 uh, Price tag. Sorry. That's that's a fringe guy, right? That's, that's fringe. No, that's if I have nothing else, and I really need that. You know, how you know that last keeper, and that's that's fringe for me. I think his value, uh, Junior Gare's value, next year will come in volume. Uh, that's what he's trying to kind of mold himself into. Obviously, a right elbow injury doesn't help, but uh, you know, someone who can be an inning type for them next year, and maybe give them a hundred and ninety something innings even if they aren't great and uh yeah just don't overdraft him uh, but he's been but he's been great this year on the other end of the spectrum especially age-wise is daniel norris he's getting recalled for the tigers with uh jordan zimmerman getting hurt again and heading back to the dl daniel norris is going to jump in the rotation and see if he can stay healthy for once because injuries have really been his problem but again i hesitate to, to make it sound like some you know decade-long issue he's 23 years old with all of 80 major league innings under his belt he's shown some flashes as well what do you think of the uh 23 year old lefty for the tigers daniel norris i i I'm a, i like norris and i think you guys should be really excited to get him up i almost think you could probably if zimmerman was either even healthy I would imagine you'd have to put him above Sa I know Sanchez Annabelle had a really good start against the Mets this I, weekend. I think he's on the baseball version, the baseball rotation version of your Madden deal, where he's on a start-to-start -start basis. Every start he has that's good, he earns himself another one. And he's put together he's, – he's one earned run shy of four straight quality starts. But I think even the, uh, the six-inning four-run – at the White Sox would be considered quality by the team because they just wanted to keep him in. They ended up losing that game five to four, but that 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 works for, for what the Tigers are looking for out of Sanchez. So for now, he's going to stick in it. Even though I agree with you, I felt like they should have been looking for ways to get Norris in there. But here's the thing. I think they know a little bit better than us, and so I they probably just wanted some extra development where they could, and the team was rolling. If they'd been on some big losing streak, I think he might have been called up earlier. Yeah, I Looking at Norris's numbers right now, I mean, the Ks are there. And now I'm looking at his minor league also this year. Yeah, check his game log. He'll just he, – he's inconsistent, but he can give you that gem. And I think that that's something that the Tigers uh, will get. He'll be kind of the opposite of Sanchez, right? With Sanchez, they're like, you can give us six innings. They might have a bunch of runs on uh, a couple of nights, but at least you'll get a six. With Daniel Norris, like, you might be done in three but you could also go eight scoreless because you've got that kind of upside. So it's two different puzzle pieces. Yeah, and, I, 
and when looking at Norris, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably focus on his Triple A numbers because that's where I'm seeing the biggest sample. Mm-hmm. Where FIP is really liking him at a two five six, and that's because he has a high K. He's keeping the home runs down in Triple A. That was the biggest thing: two homers in seventy three and a third innings with good strikeouts, as you said. But the walks are a little high. Yep. The Babbitt's really high at three fifty nine. Seventy eight hits. That's not the only time we've seen that with him, which is. We've learned we've learned with Babbitt if you see a consistent number, that's not a regression thing it's, that it's, it's gonna regress necessarily. Starts to be on the pitcher, right? It starts to get on them. And and be a situation where you're creating uh, better Babbitt opportunities for your opposition. It doesn't just automatically regress because you know, the world says so. <laughs> that's not how it works. Generally <laughs> speaking, yeah, if you pitch at a certain level, but if you continue to uh, pitch poorly then uh, you could be in trouble. And if, if you continue to pitch well, like Marco Estrada, you can somehow have a 208 BABIP, I guess. I guess we're just giving out free BABIPs here, eh? <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous. Okay, so Daniel Norris, what's the lowest league level you're picking him up in? 12? Or you got to be 15 or more? No, I, I think you could – man, I would stream him in 12. You and I take bigger bigger risks on that because uh, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I would take a shot, right? There, there's probably going to be other good stuff on on the wire. Too. What about this particular start? He's going to start in the Seattle series. Do you like Daniel Norris in Seattle against the M's? One thing I, I go for when I one thing I look at when I pick up guys a lot is, and someone did this to me with Archie Bradley this week. Even if he has a bad start. I'm still going to get some – I'm probably going to get those strikeouts. You're going to get some counting, something, yes. Something with it. I don't. That's why I don't like picking these low-K guys in a stream. Like cool Justin Nicolino? Oh, no, because <laughs> if he gets boned, dude, you get your ERA, your whip, your wins, your strikeouts. Your, everything's getting crushed. Yeah, and, and no Ks to offset. I need something to invest that start in. And a guy like Norris – I like the because I, I like these type of guys that get strikeouts because even if he gets bombed, dude, maybe he'll get me six or seven Ks across those four innings. Exactly, it, it, that's the, the upside there, uh, to, or, or or even there's a, there's kind of a floor of protection even on some of the bad starts that you can have. And so, looking right now, the Mariners in terms of OPS against lefties, they've got a 7.38, which puts them 20th. Um, lefties in that lineup, dude. So I don't know. I mean, I, I might take a gamble here. You know, he's going against Wade LeBlanc, which obviously he doesn't directly face him. But if I think the Tigers can can knock around LeBlanc, maybe only I, all I need is five. Just get me five for the win potential. I know Detroit's bullpen is not the most steady thing, but you can only can c- control what you can control. So if you're trying to stream for a quality start, I, honestly, I would say the win has a better opportunity than the quality start, right? Because Norris can run up that pitch count all of a sudden he's struggling to go five but um i, I would take the gamble this week 12 team not 10 team too 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 shallow for 10 team too shallow for 10 and I, and yet that was my gonna be my other question to you is does it differentiate for you in a quality start league it does. versus wins league yeah. i i see your argument that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense he's just sometimes when he's off it's walks as you mentioned with the triple a numbers for daniel norris so that's what i I like to uh, i like to be careful with let's go ahead and uh, talk about one more injury and i was actually going to bring this up but then you made a great point about what it does behind the move so kevin pilar is going to hit the dl um 
looking like a four to seven week deal. Hang on, let me pull that up. Uh, and like I said, I wasn't necessarily going to bring it up. He's been kind of whatever this year. Actually, he's been not good. 261 average, seven homers, uh, 10 stolen bases, blah. That's, that's blah as can be. Yeah, sprained left thumb. Not sure exactly how long he's going to be out. So, uh, played it, If you looked earlier, he wasn't even slated to be on the DL. This kind of came pretty recent, you, to, like a few hours before we started potting. And you know um, what caused it, what, what was kind of a, an effect of it, is the six-man rotation. The fact that they have one less bench spot to kind of let him go through it. They said, no, we got to make the move. I got that from MLB Network. I can't. I think it maybe it was Shai Davidi. Um, up in Toronto had outlined that. So that's one of the downsides that you got to, you know, th there's, there's give and take on everything. Okay. You want to do six man rotation to keep Sanchez in. That's great, but you're a little bit hamstrung on the offensive side. So a Kevin Pilar can't, can't fight through it with a few days off. They got to move on and get another bat up there. But the starter that they're going to put in Paul has not been good with them so far playing sp spotily for 33 plate appearances, but Melvin Upton jr. Had been doing at least some great fantasy things. His, his, his line this year is pretty modest itself. He was about average with uh, with San Diego, 743 OPS, but 16 bombs and 20 stolen bases for Melvin Upton Jr. Can he get something going? Like I said, it's been terrible for 33 plate appearances, but they've been spotty. You think getting in the, uh, getting in the lineup is going to help him? I think it's a good spot for him. The, the, it's a good spot for him to maybe score some runs if they're putting him at the top of the lineup. Uh, I mean, because he got a great lineup behind him. In real baseball, this is a rough move because now he's in center. Yeah, and Fantastic. tonight he batted eighth, by the way, Melvin Upton Jr. Okay, so they are putting him eighth. You're, you're going to sneak some steals with him, and you actually are going to get a little bit, you know, we're, we talked a little bit about that power. So in like a points league, there's some upside to this. I think even Roto maybe for the steals, though, the cheap steals, the 20 – 20 swipes, man. They're just stolen bases, and we're actually going to talk about this in, in a minute here with, with a guy who you can really go out and get who's surprisingly not on a lot of rosters. But you look at it, this year, 20 stolen bases puts you pretty high on the list of, of base stealers. In fact, Melvin Upton Jr. is eighth in the league with his 20. And so, you know, even if you only get what, – what level of performance would you take, Paul, uh, for these handful of steals that he could get in terms of a triple slot or what you can just make it into an average and an OPS. Um, like, would you take a 220 hitting 650 OPS for eight more stolen bases? No. Now, especially with the guy we're going to talk about next mm -hmm. being available, absolutely. I wouldn't, I, I would need 250. We well, hit, he only hit 245 with, uh, with, with with San Diego, so he would need a little boost there. Maybe maybe he can get boosted by the park. That that is a good hitter environment. It's a good that's lineup. What, yeah, I'm thinking that maybe, but I don't know how much of a boost that's going to be. I yeah, mean, especially in batting two average. You're, you're you're dealing with a lot of you know. You talk about the randomness of hitting high average. So you're kind of you're speculating there. Absolutely. It, it's so hard to really get a. Um, a batting average projection that, that matters let alone for a full season, let alone in a two month sample, Paul, because so many, you know, he could be getting Babbitt lucky and having some bleeders go through and some dunkers drop in. And all of a sudden he's hitting 384 for the last two months, or he could be in a cold snap. And even his, his hard hits are Adam balls. And you know, he's doing what he's doing right now, hitting 125 with them. 
Yeah, I, I'm. Is it time to bring up the guy? I think you. Should... Yeah, let's let, let's use this as an entree into our uh, into our shortstop discussion as well, because I think he actually has middle infield qual qualification. I could be wrong on that, but I think, no, no, the guy I'm thinking of, he doesn't. He oh, okay. Isn't. Pardon me. We're talking about Travis Janikowski, if, uh, the guy who's actually the benefactor of Melvin Upton Jr. leaving because he is an outfielder for some. Uh, you know what? I confuse him with Corey Spangenberg. That's why. <laughs> My fault. Who really killed a lot of people for those cheap steals this year, also. He was uh, supposed to be a, supposed to be a, a, a better asset than he end, he's ended up being. Now he's hurt, but he hit 229 and didn't even run. Uh, that's Spangenberg we're talking about. Janikowski, however, has been running absolutely wild. Paul, he's only got 211 plate appearances, and he's already um, he'd be sixth on the stolen base list here, behind just behind Jose Altuve with his 24 stolen bases, which is crazy because he doesn't even qualify. On the on the list, like he has half the plate appearances or or fewer of all these guys that are ahead of him. And, and sorry, I said sixth. He'd be seventh. Twenty four swipes already. Twenty four for twenty nine for Travis Janikowski. Talk to us about this outfielder, not middle infielder. I lied. Outfielder. So he's um he's owned in less than ten percent of ESPN league. So he's probably available. He surged up, Paul. By the way, I want to let you know he surged up to fourteen percent. Still widely available. He was it was nine percent this morning. That's how crazy this guy's going right maybe, now. Maybe maybe the Pilar injury spurred some folks and said, you know what, I got it. I got a spot now. Let me get this Janikowski guy. I, I it happened quick. Yeah, it happened quick, dude. And the thing is, like those stolen bases, as you mentioned, the plate appearances are low. It's not like like Rajay Davis is probably available on your wire with similar stolen bases, but you're not getting them as readily. Janikowski, he's running when he's on base. You're pretty much guaranteed almost an attempt at each. His percentage is high. He doesn't hit for power. And that's awesome for stolen bases because he's never going to hit a double. He's always on first, yeah. He's always on first, and he has great – I don't – now, I'm not going to say I want him on my real team, his plate approach, but he is very patient. He's over, I think he's overly patient. He's passive, yeah. He's very passive. Great term for that. He's very passive, but he's always had an over 10% walk rate, so – He's going to get on base, especially OBP leagues. If he's not on, you know, if he's not picked up already, that's nuts because he, he got to be on your OBP radar. Travis Jankowski's daring pitchers to walk him because that's how he turns it. Those are his doubles. His walks are doubles because he's just going to go to first and steal. And like you said, he kept this up in the minors. He had 134 uh, walks in 1,444 plate appearances. So just under 10% for his minor league career. Really good last year. Um, and so far, so good this year. 30 walks in those 211 plate appearances. That's a 14% walk rate. And there's two other things that are going to be really good for your fantasy leagues. The one thing is you got Will Myers hitting behind. So he's batting first. So he's going to get driven in for those runs. Those runs are going to keep clicking up. Will Myers is a great RBI opportunity. You know, he's going to get a lot of opportunities with him. Mm -hmm. And also that defense is rating very highly, which managers always really and GMs really love. So they'll keep so him in. That slows down a little bit and we get critical of the lack of power. They're going to feel very comfortable leaving him in center because they know the D is always going to be or is there right now. Well, that's great. And, and again, batting leadoff, like you said, is a huge factor. Having your spot guaranteed. 
by defense help. So even on his off days, he'll probably come in at the end of the game. Uh, Travis Jankowski will steal a base, perhaps, even if he doesn't you know, have a plate appearance. Maybe a guy who could be a pinch runner, steal a bag, go play the eighth and ninth inning in center field. So this is a premium pickup. And even with a big surge today, he's still just 14%. I understand that you know a lot of guys you know like even Rajay Davis who you mentioned is still at 30, he's up at 30% so he's doubled that and he's giving you some punch he's got he's got 10 bones this year to go with his 28 stolen bases so I understand that that's the more ideal player but you can't be choosy right now and we're talking about managing categories you don't have to worry so much about getting the all-around player if speed is what you need and you have five six seven sluggers who have been carrying your power numbers so we fully recommend Travis Jankowski don't worry we brought him up well after we were able to go pick him up in all our leagues so yeah he's a, he, if you're in any leagues with us don't don't even try he's gone he's gone. he's gone now paul now to actually jump off on our uh shortstop talk you had an interesting tidbit i know the answer to it but what was your what was your query to me um that we brought up this guy so we've been using the espn player raider um i really like that tool just to see where guys are at i wouldn't great snapshot it's a great snapshot. That's a great way to put it. Um, and they use batting average, so take that into consideration. And I'll say this as a hint. Even with OBP, I still think this player, yeah, out of shortstops, is the number one rated shortstop by about... By a margin. Points. That's a margin. That's a margin. And so he's two points better. And I actually did know. I'm, I'm, I'm stalling here to give people their chance to guess. Yell it at your phone. I don't think I heard anybody say it. Paul, who is it? Jonathan VR. He has been a monster. And remember, this was a guy that we, I'm saying we as a, the baseball, fantasy baseball community, not necessarily us. I didn't have strong thoughts, so I don't, I don't think I necessarily say anything like this. But a lot of people were just jettisoning him, saying he was a two-week placeholder for Orlando, or, or Orlando Arcia. They are just like, ah, oh, he'll be there for a month, whatever, then discard him. No. That was man. What's that? that was that was me in our in our NL only league. Well, yeah, because you wanted Arcia to come up. And I was I, I got outbid for VR because I thought I wanted him to be a placeholder. I'm like, I'm not spending more than fourteen bucks on a placeholder. This guy, this guy's gonna be kicked out in a in a minute. Yeah, and he's, man, he's, and and this is where we it kind of goes to that point we were talking about earlier because if you look across his categories, he's not really dominating anything except he is obliterating. The stolen base category 43 and here's the thing there is one other guy with 43 it's billy hamilton but compare everything else that they do nine homers to three homers 61 runs to 52 41 ribbies to 15 306 average to 255 391 obp to 305 so jonathan vr has been the very best base dealer that you can get and one of the very best fantasy baseball players this year and now with Arcia coming up, yeah, he gets moved off a short, but he just goes over to third base. Paul, I think one of the things that I kind of forgot about him, and the reason he wasn't so firmly on my radar coming into the year, he's only 25 years old. Like a, bre- yeah. a breakout, this is not surprising. They've now got a guy who's not going to be a free agent until 2021 who's also a centerpiece of their team, right? Like with, with his plate skills, with his ability to uh, you know take walks, hit for some pop, and killer speed, he can be a top there lineup for this next great team that they're that they're trying to build, right? And and then and this kind of support this was unintentional, but it supported that one of the bold predictions I made was that Chris Carter would have a hundred RBIs. 
And he's Maybe helped. LaCroix and Braun batting ahead of him. VR is another guy that's really helping him contribute to that. Absolutely. Sure. Um, so, yeah, this is a guy who's going to be at the top of their lineup there. And their middle infield is going to look really strong in the future with Arcia. Um, I guess they're going to keep him at second. Arcia is at short, yeah? At short, so then VR goes to second? He's at third right now. He could shift over to second, but they've got Jeanette there. I'm sure one of their prospects, um, I'm trying to think of, I don't know all their prospects right now, which maybe we should know them a little bit more because they are, as I mentioned, rated as the, the, the top farm system right now. I'm pulling it up. Right, there aren't usually a lot of second base prospects, so we'll see who like their middle infield ones are that could eventually get moved over. Um, so Arcia's, of course, first. Their next best middle infield is a guy named Ison Diaz. Can't remember exactly what trade he came over in, but it was this little trade, I think, with Arizona, where uh, they were said to have, have kind of smoked Arizona. And I can't... That's the Burr trade? Oh, it might have been. It might have been. That me... sounds familiar to me. Yeah, I, I, Ison Diaz. There's also a guy named Gilbert Lara. Um, so those are a couple of their middle infield prospects who could come up, maybe push Jeanette off of second base at some point. But right now it looks like it's going to be Jeanette, Arcia, VR uh, at first. Yeah, it was it was good good call. It was the the Aaron uh, or no, it was the Aaron Hill trade, not the. Not, oh. Wait, no, I'm a stupid idiot. I'm on Gene Segura's page and I'm looking at Aaron Hill. It was both of them: Chase Anderson, Aaron Hill, Gene Segura for Ison Diaz, um, and. Those were all the ones that went to Milwaukee, and then Gene Segura and Tyler Wagner came to Arizona. Tyler Wagner is a pitcher, allegedly. Uh, oh, yeah, 10 innings this year. I think I've heard of the name, but every every fourth person in baseball is named Tyler these days. So who can keep track, you know? Stewart, man, some GM, he just keeps racking up these baller trades. Oh, uh, Dave Stewart, man, just kill. And here's the thing. Gene Segura is even doing well, and that trade still doesn't look great for them. Like and he's kind of fallen off since he had a really hot start. But he he hasn't done that same. I, I'm gonna go to bat for Gene Segura here because I I killed him. Like I just I was not interested at all. Even when he was getting preseason buzz, even when he got off to the hot start, I'm gonna give him love here though, Paul, because he has not fallen off like that. He had a great April, which you will remember. The, what here's what you're talking about. He had a great April. He did fall back in in May for sure. Evened out nicely in June but then has picked it back up since July 1st. 877 OPS in July, 804 so far, so far in five August games. So I'm going to give Segura some love. He has not done that plummet the way he did after two good months back in 2013. Okay, and, and, that's, and I'll be honest, that's a recency bias with me with him. I've, been, I've seen what he, he's done, and I've had a lot of people offer him to me in a lot of leagues. And I, I, I typically stay away from him because I see the – I kind of see the plummet coming again, or I see it in moments. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I just I, I'm still kind of suspect on on him a bit, but he's been a great fantasy player though too, because he does have a little punch. Ten bombs, nineteen swipes, three oh nine average, sixty six runs, forty four ribbies. Not a bad season. Good enough to be sixth on the the aforementioned uh, player rater there, the top ten for shortstops. In fact, the the top ten as as a whole is pretty interesting because you know it's we. Wild. We've talked about two guys who don't even get included in that in this kind of next era that we're always talking about. I'll mention that Manny Machado is seventh because you know you might not instantly think of him as a fantasy shortstop. I still I, I personally still think of him as a third baseman. But then there were some really interesting names that populated the top ten, especially when you know 
I'll tell you now. Carlos Correa, not in there. Brandon Crawford, nowhere to be found. Troy Tulowitzki, light years away from the top 10. Who, who was probably the most interesting name for you uh, outside of the two that we've discussed? Seager at nine. Seager would have been my guess at number one. I would have said top three for sure. Yeah, Seager at number nine was surprising. Number two is someone we forget is a shortstop, and he's not a shortstop this year. But exactly. You got him as a shortstop, so just notice keeper-wise, but Ian Desmond is your number two shortstop. I think he's playing his way into keeperdom for, for an outfielder as well. I'm yep. very interested to see where he's going to go, though, Paul, because the money's going to be there for him this year. This is a weak free agent class, and he's been great. It's a great, you know, he could have been kind of average this year and probably raked in the dough. The fact that he's actually been excellent uh, really helps. I don't see Texas re-signing him, though. I feel like they, they've made some big commitments in the past that they haven't really gone well for them, including Shinsu Chu, who's just fallen on injuries. It really hasn't been skills. He's still a great player. But you know, I don't think they can afford to do another big deal with a guy who will be 31 next year. That's a, that's a good – I like that call. I would say I would agree with you more if Lewis Brinson was, in their, was still with them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but then, you know, the thing of it is – I guess I don't know who exactly because I don't think Mazzara can be an everyday center fielder. Maybe they maybe they groom Profar for it though. They love these athletic guys. They really value that. You know that's why I think they really honed in on him and figured he'd be. A, and I mean he's hasn't really missed stride playing center field. No, it's I, been great. You know they see that's what they that's their evaluation. They look at these super athletic guys in the outfield and they they work with them out there and they feel that they can. Because I don't think the Shields can be your center fielder going forward. No, I think that that was kind of proven this year. I actually had some high hopes for him, uh, and it, it has not panned out. Obviously, he was demoted for, for a substantial portion of the season. He is recently back up. I'm seeing how he's been performing pretty modestly, uh, 661 OPS, pretty badly. Let's just call it what it is. Don't sugarcoat it there. He's been bad, but he is still just 24. So, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I guess I think a lot obviously depends on how this season goes. I think your your ideas about things are, are shaped based on how you perform, especially when you're a competing team that's going for it all. Uh, I guess we'll see how that goes. But I'm, I'm not sure on Ian Desmond being back in Texas. But he is number two on the, on the ESPN Player Raider shortstops. Number three, Xander Bogarts, another superstar. Francisco Lindor's five. I mentioned Machado, seven. I thought oh, – Number four. I, I'm skipping him on purpose for a million. Okay. I'm, I'm covering the stars. Uh, Trevor Story at eight surprised me too. I would have thought, honestly, I think it's hard to say now because I've seen the list and it's it's been it's made me biased on certain things. But I feel like I would have said I did know VR just because I'd seen it recently in those stolen bases. So I think I would have said VR, Seager, Story, Bogarts, Lindor. You know, then then the studs. But but Story down at eight. And, Paul, it's it's not surprising. It's that batting average. But at the same time, I expect Trevor Story, even ending the season on a wild, you know, super down note of being hurt, I expect him to go pretty high next year. What do you think? Yeah, I expect Seager to go – I mean, excuse me, Story to go high. I think there's, these numbers are showing something, though. And when I do this comp in a little bit, it's going to really stand out. Home runs are not a premium right now. They're really not. I mean, they're surging. Obviously, we've talked a lot about it on this podcast. 
with Enos Air studying it, asking the commissioner about it. Um, yeah. But but you're you're right, you know, and that's why we, we were trying to hone in on that with with regards to this, the stolen bases on the other end and how important they are, because you can kind of get that punch elsewhere. And there have been a lot of guys that uh, that are delivering power again and, and so it might not be as big of a premium up the middle as it used to be i still think trevor story goes high though because coors field fixes so much or, or covers so much and we only saw him go eight for 13 on the base paths this year he stole 20 a season for three years in 2013 14 and 15 i think the speed will start to evolve as he gets more time in the league and if he's a 40 15 270 hitter. I don't really care that the batting average is only 270 at that point. And playing in course, I think with a little maturation, the batting average should shoot up. That's the thing too. It could even go up. You know, good point on the maturation. I mean, this was his first year coming in, just you know, gripping and ripping and doing whatever he could and striking out a whole ton. Doesn't mean he can't evolve a bit. You know, swing and miss is going to be part of his game, but he could tamp it down and, and, and be a little bit more of a, okay, I'm a 26% strikeout guy. That's that's 5% cut off, and, and that a lot of that could be more base knocks, and all of a sudden that's not going to take you too long to get to 285. And if you're 285, 40, 15, you're a first-round player. So you're, you're saying Story's a first-round player? I'm saying he's a second-round player right now with first-round upside because of Coors Field and his skills. I don't want to just say it's the field, but we know that it does a lot for batting average. It, it, it does a lot for his biggest flaw. Now, it had, to, it had to help him to 272. So the 285 bit that we're talking about, that's a spike year. That's, that's a, that's a pie-in-the-sky sort of deal. But if I'm getting anybody in the second or third round that has first-round capability, I, I want that. And so I, I do think he's, he's up there. And I don't even know that the injury is necessarily going to curb him from being um, a you know a top two round guy. I, I guarantee you, some but some people will take him in the first round. He will be a first rounder in some drafts. And I'm looking at the shortstop list, and I want to jump into this comp because it's going to tie into this. Okay. I'm not valuing shortstops as high as I used to. Like, well, it, it like, is hitting a renaissance. It's hitting a renaissance. Shortstops are, are at a really good point right now. And the 14th guy in on the shortstop list is Marcus Simeon. Okay. Okay? Um, I have two guys, one superstar and one just regular guy who comp really well with him right now. Hit so me. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the regular guy first. Okay, hit me with some numbers. Okay, Simeon and uh, the plate appearances are right around each other. 422 for Simeon, 431 for Mystery Player 1. 23 home runs for Simeon, 25 for Mystery Player 1. 51 runs, 51 runs for both. 54 RBIs for Simeon, 61 for Mystery Player. 9 stolen bases, 0 for Mystery Player 1. Then we're dealing with a 236 average, 301 OBP for Simeon, 215, 304 for Mystery Player One. Mystery Player One is the regular guy you said? He's just a regular guy that I think is a great comp to kind of think about. A regular shortstop, yes. He's not a shortstop. Oh, okay, okay, just a regular guy. You want the position? I would like the position, yes. First baseman. Ooh, that's interesting. He's a guy that you'd look in the same level for, and it, it kind of sets up who the next guy is going to be because the next guy 
you would never put in the same category as him. But this guy you might think about drafting the same way. I, I would actually pair these guys with a guy like Jankowski. I think it would be a perfect pair. Is it Chris Davis? No, he's got more no. poems. No, not Davis. You're on, the, you're on the right track, though, of thinking that type of player. Um, oh, yeah, because Chris Davis, you, you said non-star. Like, it's not Freddie Freeman. He's got a way better batting average. Is it Pujols? No, no. I would consider Pujols close to star. Yeah, you're, you're right. He, he's still a star, especially fantasy-wise. Um, can you tell me ALNL? I, I'm going to keep guessing, guys. Sorry yeah. for those of you shouting the name at, at your phone right now who know it. NL. NL. Is it your boyfriend, Chris Carter? It is my boyfriend, Chris Carter. <laughs> so, very similar player to Simeon. And it, it, it kind of put that in perspective to me. Like, that is okay. really interesting because you don't think of a shortstop with Chris Carter on any comparable level. But when you're talking about the output, it's been similar. And, he, dude, this next one, we're talking superstar here. Okay. And we're talking big name. And, and let me preface with this. I'm not saying pick Simeon over this guy. No, no, no. You're, you're saying... Simeon. Simeon's price is so much lower to get these similar production. And in fact, I would use my argument right now and try to get this superstar and try to if you can if you find someone who has him and is sick and tired cuz don't forget we're in that time of year where the un, the impatient guys are getting really PO'd at some of their players right oh, now. Oh yeah, if they haven't already. If they haven't already. So you might be able to based on these numbers, you might be able to do some fun. And by the way, I, I got to give a shout out to Aaron Smith, one of my friends who created this document that helps me do these amazing comps. So which which what, that that you showed it to me the other day when we were watching Mets Tigers go Tigers, um, and it is amazing. So give me a position okay. here while I'm thinking about these numbers. Okay, it's an outfielder. Okay. Okay, so Simeon had 23 home runs. This guy got 24. They this was the craziest part. All three of the players I was talking about have 51 runs scored. That is crazy. Simeon has 54 RBIs. This guy has 65. No stolen bases for him. Simeon, we knew, had nine. Simeon, remember, had a 236 average, 301 OBP. This player had a 242 average, 330 OBP. Before you guess him, who are you taking right now? Are you taking Simeon or the mystery player? Well, I think the mystery player has been better, but he is an outfielder, so... And don't forget those nine stolen bases, though. That's yeah, the yeah. I, I, I think Simeon is, is is the pick, though, because I still – we just talked about how there's a renaissance. I think I would I would go toward the shortstop, though. When things are, are close like that, I'm still going to go toward the shortstop, and I feel more confident about finding an outfielder. And this, by the way, I know you haven't you know, listened to every episode. This show's very pro-Marcus Simeon, starting with, with Eno on down the line. Absolutely. No, I've listened to it, and I've read – I, I know I'm in I'm in a pro Simeon crowd, which is which feels nice. <laughs> You're safe here. You're safe here. So, oh God, is it Marcelo Zuna? No, he's got some steals. We're talking like more superstar names. Oh, su yeah, superstar. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, is it Cargo? Nope. Is it? And the other guy had zero steals. Is he it, all has zero steals, yep. Is it Beltran? Nope. Bryce Harper? First round pick. Who'd you say? First, first round pick. I said Bryce Harper. Nope. Um, okay, I'll just do one more guess then. Let's see. A first round pick too, man. God, is it Stanton? 
It is Giancarlo Stanton. Holy smokes, I got both right. It took, took several guesses, but I got both right. And I didn't give you a full profile, so that's really impressive. Because if I gave you the full profile, it's easier to like start doing it. I gave that you a first round pick part was, was clutch for me, I will say, on that one. The what? The first round pick part. Okay. That part got, I was like, okay, wait. And I still couldn't really cycle through all of them, but I was just going to guess Stanton or Braun, and I knew Braun's been performing better. So those were the two outfield, first round outfielders that jumped out of my head. And Stanton was going as high as, like, in the Four. 14 team, he was a third pick. Yeah, he went, dude, people were geeked on him, and I was fully complicit in backing people and i didn't get him anywhere because i was taking harper instead so i'm in uh, just as bad of a position but um yeah that that's crazy so again do 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 the five category comparison of stanton and simeon because that's so interesting okay so you got simeon with 23 home runs stanton 24 they both have 51 runs scored simeon has 54 rbi stanton has 65 which is it's more for Stanton, obviously, sure, but not as much more as I thought he would have. For, and, and again, you're talking about for cost. You're not saying go trade Marcus Simeon for Giancarlo Stanton and tell this other teammate or t- uh, league owner to do it. You're saying you're getting Stanton, what Stanton's doing this year, you're getting out of Simeon, who might be on some waiver wires right now. I think it was about 30-something percent owned him in ESPN coming in before the pod. Yeesh. Yeah. And then the stolen bases, nine for Simeon. And then the batting average is 236, 301 OBP. Stanton, 242, 330. I didn't list this also, but um, Stanton also, I think, has still has like a 480 slugging because he's hitting doubles. 496. Four, okay, so he's still hitting doubles. He's still a better – I obviously would rather have him on my real team also. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, are you right now on what side do you – can Ozuna get you Giancarlo Stanton? No, Stanton still carries so much juice in okay. the, in the fantasy market, and it might be for not a great reason because of the the tanks that he hits are just so memorable, and you think about those highs more than you more than you focus on. I, I, I'm projecting here. I maybe maybe not all of you feel this. Or obviously, not all everyone feels this way. But I think in the um, on the whole. You're going to just find so much more juice for Giancarlo Stanton on the market than you are in Ozuna, who's just having a breakout year um, and has been, you know, better. Uh, the power numbers are lower, but everything else is much better. The runs are higher. The batting average, 50 points higher. And, you know, Marcel Ozuna has been excellent, but I still think people are going to focus on Stanton. And I think I would, too. They push come to shove. I don't think I make that deal, even being a huge Ozuna backer. Oh, I'll, yeah, you gotta. I, I'd go for Stanton in that deal easily. I think the star power thing definitely takes over, and these power guys like this, like even like, I know you guys, you and Eno were talking about Chris Davis with a C, how his stock has really dropped and he's having a really kind of, you know, down year for him. Mm-hmm. Those type of guys, if this is the time of year if you can, and I know trade deadlines are coming, so if you can get them low, I'm taking that risk because power guys. When they feel it, and Chris Davis has done it across his career. Oh, uh, 100%. You know who I think of instantly when we talk about this? Besides, he's one of them, 100%. You know who else? Can you guess? In his division, another guy who, like, when he gets going, he carries your team 100%. And Canarcion? Boom. Yeah. 
and yeah. and so yeah, I mean, obviously he's out of it. He's no longer one of these guys. But there was a period earlier when Edwin was another one of these guys that you could just take a shot on. And there's going to be a year where it doesn't come around, right? Where the injuries are too much for Encarnacion, or whatever happens with uh, Davis, like too much swing and miss, or maybe he's not still on the the Adderall prescription that he was allowed to have. I don't know, but whatever it is, it's not going to come around one year. But the fact that it could, I would. You, you still got to take your shots on like a Chris Davis um, when they're struggling because those power guys, they can flip the script big time. And just all of a sudden you get 20 bones in, uh, in six weeks and you know, it's game over on your opponents. I'm betting on Chris Davis before I'm betting on Brandon belt who has better on base skills. Um, is going to score more runs because of his lineup. I'm probably going to still take a flyer on Davis before him. I think, I think I can understand that and, and appreciate that because in the one breath that we said pr- power isn't a premium, I feel like we should clarify that we're talking about kind of that mid-tier power. The overwhelming power is still a premium, right? Anything that can still be top of its class because when you were bringing that up with, with Semi, and it's because it's, getting 20 homers isn't that difficult, but you're still very much interested when you get a guy who's on – 40, 50 homer paces. Especially for this stretch run where all of a sudden, you know, and we were talking about this with um, the bold predictions where, you know, some of us went over the midseason ones that we thought were bad. Yeah. And now we're starting to turn around. It's a long season. It, it's, still, I mean, we still have two and a half. We still have over two months. Left. We, we, we always forget it. Go. Here's what I like to do on that. Go back to May. Go back. Think about what you were thinking about in May after two months and we have another sample of that left. All, all of that work that people did April and May, we have another two-month sample that's coming up, and guys are going to be putting up their seasons, and they can be completely different than they were in April and May. Like they're Taking the long way of saying there's still so much time. In fact, Paul, use that as a transition to talk about a couple other t- shortstops who have, you know, have had down periods in their season so far, but they're currently raking. Um, right now, Last 30 days, do you know who the top short? Well, obviously, you know, you have one of two choices because you know the names we're talking about. But do you know who the top shortstop is in terms of WRC plus? I'm gonna guess. I have one or two names to guess. Yes. And which is unfair to the listeners because you all don't. I'm gonna say it's Brad Mill. You would be correct with a 172, and he's uh, nine points better than our number one guy, Jonathan VR, who's so again he's still dominating by the way. Uh, Jonathan VR is, but Brad Brad Miller's been excellent now. Interestingly enough, when they got Matt Duffy, that means that they're, they're going to put Duffy at short and move Miller over to first. This doesn't impact us until 2018, right? Because he's still played enough shortstop to, to maintain shortstop eligibility next year. Now, Paul, he's not quite on Semyon levels with, uh, what would you say, 24 and 9 for Semyon. But he's at 20 and 6 with a 258. So he's making up a little bit of it in the batting average piece. How do you view Brad Miller as, as a shortstop asset? I kind of put – I would put him in that Simeon rank because he's the guy that we've always saw power potential. And now that it's actually coming to fruition is, is really nice. <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's not something that's came out of nowhere based on his minor league number. He's someone that we knew had some power and had some pop. Um, so would maybe 
I guess top. I'm definitely considering top fifteen at this point. I'm considering them over Brandon Crawford. I think. Oh really? See, I still like Brandon Crawford a lot. Let me pull up his numbers because I mentioned that he was pretty far down on the I list here. I worry about that park and the power, dude. That's that that is something that you know can be beyond his control. He can still be smashing the ball, but that park makes life really tough on guys. He's only got ten bones this year. You know, coincidentally, that's what he hit in 2014, although that was a full season. So he still has, uh, you know, what, 70, 50 games? What are they at right I, now? You know what you buy Crawford for? Um, volume? You buy him for the RBI. Yeah, he's got 68 ribs. Because that's just a and solid then, move in the lineup. It's, it's, he's right behind Belt, basically. Yeah, and they, they just have these on-base guys. They are a move-the-chains kind of team. They don't, they don't clear the bases a whole bunch. Uh, for the idiots who like to say that home runs are rally killers, they would love the Giants. Yeah, the Giants, are, and, and I think their ballpark plays into it. I Absolutely. Guy, like Belt, Belt and Crawford and Yankee Stadium, are you? Oh crazy? my God, that would not be fair at all. Let's not make that happen, as yeah. uh, as as devout Yankee haters. Uh, we can't we can't have that happen. We can't have them getting good. They already have the second best minor league system. This is terrifying. You know, I'm, that, 2018 class is disgusting. That the free agent class that they're going to probably sign nine guys out of. Machado, Harper. Oh God, stop! And it's it's disgusting, stop. dude. Stop. Let's enjoy one more year of the Yankees sucking, but then them and the Red Sox are probably going to start another round of their. Which would be that'd be great because you know what? I don't see a lot of Yankees Red Sox games on ESPN. That's true. They'll finally be able to get on. You found the silver lining. We'll finally get a chance to see those those two teams. Very under underplayed <laughs> rivalry. Very underplayed. Uh, let's talk a little bit about J.J. Hardy. He's a guy who's obviously, uh, you know, even at his peak, dealt with injuries. That was always a big issue for him. But the one thing the, interesting that we talked about Brandon Crawford just a minute ago because Hardy has some Crawford tendencies in that. Uh, now he's he's sparked quicker. Like he didn't have to re- really build himself up. He kind of jumped out of the gate as a really good player. Did J.J. Hardy, but did the same sort of thing where he used his excellent defense to guarantee his roster spot. And then his hitting came together a couple of uh, mid twenties home run seasons. Then he fell off. Then he gets moved over to Baltimore though. And has a resurgence 30, 22 and 25. And honestly though, that was as one of the best shortstops in the league because offense was, was starting to trend its way down that his power was, was really nice there. And you could kind of absorb the mediocre to bad batting average of JJ Hardy, but now 33, he's only played 64 games this year. He is ranking of late. As I mentioned last 30 days, um, he's up to 139 with his WRC plus. How do you value JJ Hardy? Is he just a, a deep league only sort of guy? Or do you think that with health, he could he could stud out the rest of the way. He's a good flyer to take in a lot of these. If you need a shortstop in your league, but you might not because as we talk as we've been talking about the whole time, there's so many good ones. But and that's and that's all about the depth of your league, right? How deep is your league? Um, I'm gonna look at the player rater just to kind of get an idea. Are you taking him over Didi? No, nope, I'm taking Didi. Okay. Are you taking him over Andrews? I've always had a. An Andrews bias. I, I just, I don't love him, but I think I still have to take Andrews because he's having a nice, solid season this year on that lineup, um, getting some good uh, runs scored and driven in totals for for him and with a 294 average. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Andrews. 
here's a guy now, the next guy I'm going to bring up, who has similar numbers to Curtis Granderson at the shortstop position um, and is killed on the player Raider because it's batting average, Danny Espinoza. Ooh, that's an interesting uh, statistical comparison that you make, too. Um, that one's tougher. I like Danny Espinoza. You're right about the bat. Here's the thing. I would let that be team contextual. Then I'm gonna, I'm going to take the easy way out though, and I understand that. I'm saying yeah, if I if I don't need batting average, but that that's what matters here at this point in the season. Though I'm managing categories, so if I'm if I'm still trying to get points in batting average, I'm actually going to go Hardy, which you don't usually say. I need batting average. I'm going to go JJ Hardy. But that's just where Danny Espinoza is. He's a strikeout master. He's got a 224 average. So if I'm protecting or chasing batting average, I got to go Hardy. If you're going batting average, now we'll change it up a little bit. Guy who's probably available in your league, if you're just going batting average, maybe Starlin Castro. Ooh, if he was available, yeah. I, I'm sure there's some Yankee tax impacting him, uh, impacting his price. I'm actually going to see how how – how much uh, what's that Paul you nailed it he's at 62.7% on ESPN it's gotta be a tax that's so high compared to Simeon who I'll I'll pull up exactly what his number is right now 33.8 yeah that's crazy and I and I love Starlin Castro but that is a Yankee tax through and through he has no business being especially in comparison to Simeon so yeah I'd rather just go with Simeon at that point I'll say part Yankee tax. I also say the the batting average bias. Yep. I think there's a lot of that. Great call. There. Great call. Both both those factors working in tandem to really skyrocket Starlin Castro's uh, ownership right there. And again, I'm I'm as much as a fan of his as I am. I can be honest about it. I don't love it. Uh, I want to talk about a couple other guys here. Javier mm-hmm. Baez has been an interesting player. I've, I've not really been on his train. Um, in these past couple of years because I just felt like the swing and miss is really going to stop him from being high impact. And, you know, he's actually been pretty good this year. He's actually, you know, anytime Joe Madden has a utility guy, it gets compared to Ben Zobrist. I understand that. Baez has tried to be uh, Zobrist-like in the way he plays around the field, not in the skill set. That's where I don't like when the comparison gets made because he doesn't hit anything like Ben Zobrist. He sells out for power. Uh, he's got 11 swipes, or excuse me, 11, 11 homers, nine swipes for Javier Baez, and 302 plate appearances playing all around. But Paul, he's cut his walk, uh, strikeout rate down to 25%, which is still pretty high, generally speaking. But amazing uh, strides for him. He had a 42% that first year in 2014, and then 30% last year in 80 plate appearances. How do you see Javier Baez now, 23, kind of? Uh, getting his feet underneath him. At 23, man, that's a 23. That's a nice profile to project on, and I love. And these are guys that I'm starting to appreciate more in these um these daily lineup leagues. The position flexibility. It's huge, and 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 with the injury age that we're in, I don't know. I'm sure there's more injuries in general, but they're also better diagnosed. That's why we have so many more guys go to the DL, and at. After a while, if you if you're honed in, if you're locked in, your your shortstop goes out. You don't have anybody else you can put a shortstop, and all you can pick up is shortstops. That sucks. So I really do. I favor position eligibility guys. I own. I use it as more than a tiebreaker, Paul. I use it as a decision maker at times. If there's a, I don't know, ten percent gap in in 
in perceived talent, projected talent, because obviously we don't know for sure that there is, but if the projections are like 10, maybe 15% off, but this other guy has two more spots where he's eligible, I will take the eligibility guy, especially if he has a reasonable upside to make up that, that 15% gap. I would agree. And the first thing I look at, I guess would always be, as you mentioned earlier, is that, um, statistical that category thing I need. So am I looking for power? Am I looking for speed? Do I need run? Oh yeah. Uh, pardon me for that specifically. I was talking at the draft table at the auction table so that I'm sorry so that I'm a little bit more flexible in season. See, I don't, and I maybe need to do that more. Um, but I definitely like in that, in those terms, I definitely avoid like DH guys for that, Yeah. but I don't take it as far the next step where I'm saying, you know, this guy's going to have all these positions, like a Marwin Gonzalez. Yep, I, I like him as a cheap AL guy. Yeah, or in, in our case, in our NL only, well, he can there. For those that don't know, I might have mentioned this on the podcast. We play in an NL only league that is based out of Houston, who, as you may remember, used to be in the National League. We voted in having Houston. We didn't vote well, in. Well, we did not. We firmly did not. We exercise our right to vote, and we did not vote that in. But Houston's in the league, and we're not fans of it. We are vocally against it. <laughs> so we did, I, I, we got to tell them the strategy we did. Go ahead. Auction. We basically came in, and there was like four or five of us who were against this move. We <laughs> so in the auction, us four or five people who were against this Houston in the National League move all throughout we threw out the Houston players Just within the first five or six throwing them there. all out like want because at our auction a lot of times and I think this is common amongst a lot of auctions money gets spent early and it was that new toy aspect the, the, the guys that wanted the Houston guys we were hoping would bid them up and so we just let them run buck wild with it uh, to, to further our protest of it. And it was kind of hilarious, especially because we independently came up with the idea. They were yeah. like the four or five of us. We all were like, Hey, you know what we should do? And like throw out Houston guys. Yeah. How did you know? Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. It was kind of, it, it was kind of hilarious. And I ended up getting caught. I didn't get stuck with them cause I wanted them, but I got four or five Houston guys after making fun of them. <laughs> I almost got stuck with a third catcher because I just I had to throw a Houston guy out. I already had two catchers capped. <laughs> I threw out Jason Castro. We should have left you with him. And I almost I heard crickets for I guess two seconds, and then someone finally jumped in and took him away from me. So, but yeah, you guys definitely should have stuck me with Jason Castro. Yeah, because then you'd be having a catcher at your DH, and that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, Paul. I think that's going to be. It. Is there any other shortstops that you wanted to touch on? Are we are we good to go here? No, Crawford was the other guy I kind of wanted to bring up, and we, we got to talk about him. Um, he's Paul, 80% of the league's on Crawford, so, you know, be care I, I would be careful with him because I'm not sure about the power. As I say this, he's 3 for 4 so far tonight with a few runs scored at maybe an RBI or two. I mean, he's a really good player, but I think you kind of enlightened me a little bit when you when you – had a little negative slant on him. I checked the numbers. I didn't realize it was only 10 bombs. I think if you had asked me off the top of my head, I would have said closer to 15, especially given the power spike across the league. I'd be like, oh, he's getting, he's getting a piece of that. He's up at, you know, 14, 15 already, uh, you know, tracking toward another 20 something. He's actually pacing toward just 14. And you're right. That park is what makes it tough to think that his power is consistent. Yes. So, be careful of him. 
Um, and it's funny because I just trade him to a guy in the league. But be careful of him. Um, you know, Simeon's a guy that if you need a shortstop, that's the guy I'm I'm keen on. I know his rate stats aren't that great. If you're if you're not in dire straits in average OBP or whichever you use, or if you use both, or if you use slugging, slugging actually he'll be all right. But if you're if you're not in a dire situation in average and OBP. Simeon could be a nice option for you in these shallow leagues where you're looking to get some more across the board, where your county numbers just need help in general, and you're like, my offense is starved. Look at Marcus Simeon. That's our general takeaway here. Hope you enjoyed the show, Paul. We'll figure out when we're going to be back. I think the schedule's going to get back on track with Jason, but then you and I are going to figure out a day I think that works well for us and and be a a full-time thing. So you got a new mic. Hopefully everyone appreciated the sound a little bit uh, a bit more than, than when we had it last week. And uh, looking forward to potting with you again soon. Paul, well, it was fun. And, again, appreciate everyone's feedback. It's really helped us kind of hone down the, the sound issues to make it as clear for you guys as possible. Take care, Paul. Later, Paul.